Hey friends, this is Ashley coming to you before this episode starts. I just wanted to let you all know that I have a newsletter. It's also called Boss Barista and you can find all of our episodes along with full transcripts and articles about each episode at the newsletter. So go to bossbarista.substack.com and all of this stuff will just end up in your email. It's kind of like magic. So again, bossbarista.substack.com to find all of these episodes along with additional content. Thanks for listening and on to the show. Hey friends, welcome to Boss Barista, the podcast about workplace equity and employee empowerment in coffee and beyond. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. Hey folks, I'm in your feed with a bonus episode this week. I got to spend time with Ravani Grace, one of the baristas behind the Intelligentsia Coffee Workers Union in Chicago. Ravani and the baristas at five Chicago-based Intelligentsia stores announced their intent to unionize on May 27, 2022. The baristas are voting right now, this week, on their union. So please show your support. Share this episode. And if you're in Chicago, go to Intelligentsia and tell the baristas that you support them. This union has the potential to be one of the most pivotal unions in the specialty coffee industry. So please keep your attention on this group. Here's Ravani. I was wondering if you could start by introducing yourself for listeners. Yeah. Hi, my name is Ravani Grace. Uh, I use she, her pronouns. I have been a barista with Intelligentsia for a while now and am a career barista, have been doing this since I was 20 years old and don't plan on stopping anytime soon. I love that you started with your career barista because something that comes up a lot in union rhetoric is that these are transient jobs or these are jobs with lots of turnover. And I think it's important to highlight that folks like you and a lot of the folks that are organizing unions within coffee shops are people who love coffee and want to stay with it for a long time. Yeah, obviously, I think about like switching careers because of all of that rhetoric around like this is a temporary gig. This isn't something that like is sustainable. But honestly, like I think about doing something else and I cringe like I like making coffee. I like talking to customers all day. How did you start working in Intelligentsia? I was bouncing around shops a lot. Summer of 2018, I went through like three different coffee shops in three months just because I kept running in to really horrible working conditions. You know, the kinds of working conditions that really are like the norm in service. And I was like, I need a new job. Intelligentsia is hiring this is as good as it gets as terms as coffee jobs go. I'm going to apply and I managed to get it and then have been with the company on and off since then. I've like left Chicago a couple of times. Whenever I left Chicago, obviously I stopped working at Intelli. And whenever I came back to the city, I was like, let me let me get this job again. So let's walk through the timeline of union organizing. So Obviously, we're here because Intelligentsia announced about a month and a half ago that its five Chicago-based locations are 
intending to unionize. They had a press release they're organizing with the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, which we're going to refer to as the IBEW throughout this conversation. So if you announced about, let's say, a month and a half ago, how long had you folks been talking and planning or even thinking about unionizing? So we'd been thinking about unionizing since 2018. I think things got really serious in 2021, like the back end of 2021, the start of 2022. People really started doing the work of getting organized. There was always whisperings of a union for as long as I've been at Intelli, but we took the step from like talking about it, getting drinks together and like saying, man, we should organize to actually being organized and getting organized. I would say like a yearish ago, um, it's definitely been like a long process. I think like the thing that really changed the game for us was getting in touch with the IBEW and having people who really know how to organize workers who know how to do all of the legal work, who can teach you how to have the kinds of conversations that are necessary to create real worker solidarity, which is like the foundation of any union, right? I think what's really crucial in the answer that you just gave is that talking to the IBEW was almost like a switch for you folks. And it wasn't necessarily that you folks like needed to do anything special or that getting in touch with the IBEW was jumping through any hoops or anything like that. It seems like it was simply reaching out to an organization that's a really well-established union and saying, hey, we're interested in this. Can you help us? And them saying yes. Yeah, I. it really was that simple. It was Jordan sent a couple of emails. They started organizing meetings. And then we did the work of having the conversations on the shop floor, of visiting the shops, being like, hey, do you want to come to this Monday meeting? The IBEW is hosting it. They organized a couple of really big in-person meetings for us at various union halls. And those were like really successful events that helped get, you know, my fellow workers on board with the idea of a union and really demystified the process for us. Right. Yeah. Demystify is a really good word there because I have to imagine for a lot of people who see you folks organizing or see other coffee shops organizing, some of the hesitation to maybe take that step for themselves is that they don't know what the next step is. But I love that you were able to draw like a direct line between we reached out to the IBW and they started helping us. Yeah, it really is that simple. And, you know, I think doing a fair amount of research on, like, what are the local unions that are, like, really active in your area, right? The unions that, like, align with your values. Because not every union is made equal. We're really lucky to have had the IBEW here in Chicago. Um, They are really in line with, I think, intelligent, like the intelligentsia workers' values, and they're a really proactive union that are willing to give us a lot of support. What was it about the IBEW, just to extrapolate a little bit on that answer, that made you folks decide, yes, these are the people that we want to work with? What were some of those shared values? One of the really big ones was a history of anti-capitalism. Right. As workers at Intelligentsia, you know, we're organizing for ourselves. We're organizing to get a better paycheck. We're organizing to get more vacation days, to get better health care for all of the basic things for ourselves. 
but also we're organizing because food service needs to be organized in a broader sense. And I think the IBEW really connected our struggle to a broader struggle. What really drew us to them was their work in the Collectivo unionization campaign. We really liked what we saw them do with Collectivo and reached out to them largely because of that. Was it ever a decision in your mind to not organize as all five stores together? Or was it always like, we're all organizing together, we're all in this together? Certain models of unionization really are shot by shot. Right, right. That's what we've seen from Starbucks. And I think there was like a point at which we were like, well, this is how it's done. This is what we should do. But we realized that like it wasn't going to work for us Mm -hmm. in like our particular situation. We needed everyone or it was going to fall apart because our shops are really small. It's like four or five workers per shop. And it's not you know, you don't really have that like solidarity, that strength in numbers when you're organizing four or five workers at a time. And because we're a smaller outfit, it was easier to get everyone from every store involved. Those meetings that the IBW held, what were those like? What did you folks learn in those meetings? They were just like little Zoom meetings. Frequently, there was like, you know, they'd be really small because a lot of us were working during them or like half of the staff would be working during them or we'd just be getting off work and we'd be tired. And they were really intimate meetings. We just sort of talked strategy for the most part or people would come and they would have questions about the union. Like, what is the bargaining process going to look like? What is the next step? What is our timeline? And the IBEW was able to like give that information and say, this is what we're looking at. This is what to look out for from management. This is like what the bargaining process might turn out to be. So it seems like they did a lot of work to make sure that you folks felt very informed. Yeah, absolutely. It was a situation where really if you wanted to learn about the union, it was really easy and accessible. You hop on the email list and you're getting an email once every couple of weeks keeping you updated on where exactly we are in the process. Yeah, they that was one of their main roles. Yeah, it seems like information is so powerful in these situations because from what I've gathered interviewing people who have unionized or are thinking about unionizing, it seems like a lack of information and a lack of clarity on what laws protect you, what laws don't protect you is a big hindrance to moving forward. But it seems like from what I've gleaned kind of from the outside looking in, you folks are highly informed and highly organized. I remember when you folks dropped the press release that you were unionizing, I was like, whoa, this came out of nowhere, but this is highly organized. Like this is something that like these folks are ready for. Yeah, absolutely. I have been a part of like various attempts at worker organization at like frankly, every coffee shop that I've ever worked at Mm -hmm. because of the type of person I am. You know, if there wasn't union chatter before I showed up, there definitely was after. (laughs) But coming back to Intelligentsia this time, and, you know, I remember within like the first hour of my first shift back, Jordan was like, so we're starting a union. And my first reaction was like, okay, that's cute. But like, let's be real here. Are you actually going to start a union? 
and it very quickly was apparent to me that like no actually this was real and this was gonna happen and it still feels kind of dreamlike to some extent it feels like a really big moment both in the lives of everyone who's like working for intelligentsia right now but also in the coffee industry more broadly yeah and it's a little surreal it's a little surreal to be in the moment yeah speaking of this moment it seems like a lot of things are currently just coming together. So there's the current labor movement that we're just in in general with so many Starbucks branches unionizing, with other coffee shops unionizing. The Colectivo Union was a huge win for this movement. But it also seems like the pandemic really accelerated the need for a union. So I think we've talked a lot about how you started a union, but I think we want to talk a little bit about why. And it seems like the pandemic had a big role in that for you yeah. folks. You know, there are, there are a lot of reasons why we want to unionize, right? And those reasons vary from person to person. But as someone who was there before the pandemic, there was no clarity over why people got fired. It was a really a situation in which we were just completely at the mercy of intelligentsia as a company and had no power and no way to fight back. Something I wrote down as you were talking was that there was no clarity on how or why people were being fired. And I think that that speaks to a bigger theme when we talk about unionization. And it's something you mentioned before we started recording was the idea of accountability, being able to answer questions, being able to say, why is this happening in this way? And why aren't you giving me more information? And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the idea of accountability in terms of this union and what you're hoping to achieve. Yeah. So, like, the truth is we have a pretty sweet deal out on telly, right? And the fact that we have a pretty sweet deal is, like, kind of the core of the anti-unionization campaign. And for me, accountability is about making sure that when something like the pandemic happened, like some sort of big financial crash, something that is, like, really disruptive. And when something like that happens, I think it's really important to be organized and to have power, to be able to say you can't treat us this way. This is not how you said you want to treat us, right? And I think like a union isn't going to solve that issue single-handedly, but it will provide a way for if an employee is say having an issue with management, right? Management is for whatever reason treating them a certain way. The union will be there to back that person up. If management makes the decision to fire someone over offenses that another person wouldn't get fired over. The union is there to say, okay, this is not actually a fireable offense. This does not violate the terms of our contract. You can't do this. And that idea of having something that is like kind of set in stone to say, this is how we are going to be treated as employees. This is how we want to be seen as like a collective union, unit, union, whatever, <laughs> that deserves respect. You know, I think organization is how we get from point A to point B in terms of questions of like respect and accountability. Something you said during that answer was that one of the lines of thought that is being used as like an anti-union rhetoric is that this is a pretty sweet job which is a false I think claim 
not necessarily that this is not a sweet job, but the idea that because it's a sweet job, you shouldn't need these protections. But I think, as you're rightly pointing out, workers in non-unionized places often don't know when like the rug is going to be pulled out from under their feet. Like you could be promised X, Y, and Z one day, and then suddenly those things don't happen to you anymore. And you're real people. Like you make life decisions based on these promises of like what you're going to receive. Like I'm going to stay in Chicago for an extra couple of years because I've been told by my manager that I'm going to get a three and six month raise. And then that's just not there anymore. And I think that it's interesting that the idea that like your job is good is a line of rhetoric that people use to fight against the union. Like the idea that your job would be bad if the union wasn't there or that the company doesn't deserve this type of accountability claim because they already do an okay job, which I think is just like a false dichotomy. Absolutely. I 100% agree. At the end of the day, we are still like workers, you know, no matter how sweet the deal is, there is still like that sort of baseline level of control that the company has over our lives, right? Right. Uh, That they get to dictate the terms of like how good your job is versus letting you take any ownership over it. Exactly. I 100% agree. Like, It is the fact that, like, at the end of the day, intelligentsia has all of the power and we have none of it. And a union is a really effective tool for balancing that situation out. Power is a big thing I love talking about because I think a lot of people think that anti-union efforts are fueled by money. And they are not. They are fueled by power. They are fueled by the idea that somebody has power and they do not want to relinquish it. But I think intelligentsia is a really interesting situation because you were talking about accountability to workers. And because intelligentsia is owned by JAB, they have this accountability to these stakeholders that are just like not you like they're not you they're not the people who are actually working every day but i think it's just it, i think it's just like an, an interesting thing to think about because it's like who are you accountable to and it seems like in so many workplace situations we're never accountable down we're never accountable to the people who actually make the business go every day and that's literally true in coffee shops like coffee does not happen if you do not show up and unlock the door and dial an espresso and welcome customers Yeah, But oftentimes, companies where there is a stakeholder, where there is a board of directors, when there's somebody to answer to because there's an influx of money happening from the top, a lot of who we answer to are those people. And it's interesting that we don't question that that often. And when it comes to things like this union effort, it's like it's portrayed as as this struggle, but it's like we're just trying to get a seat at the table. Like, we're just trying to assert, like, the fact that we're here and we make this company happen. There, there are two things in what you said that I really want to, like, respond to. One of the things I think is really exciting about both all the food service unions, but also all of the, like, hotel unions and the hospitality union waves that have been happening, you know, like, room keeping service being unionized, is how immediately, like, imagine a coffee strike, right? Like... We get to the point where, like, intelligentsia is being super intractable. It takes, like, two days of us not opening the shops for the shops to, like, fall apart, right? 
it's not like a factory where like they're able to like have a bunch of backstock cars that they're selling. But even then, like the union shut or the factory shutdowns of like Detroit based car companies. Yeah. And like, as I was saying that I was thinking about a conversation I had with a friend that just in time uh, production has really changed the game in terms of unions, right? Mm -hmm. The ways in which we have these incredibly complicated supply chains has really given us a lot of power as workers um, and has given us the ability to really affect change in our workplaces and also like beyond our workplaces. I think one of the things that really excites me about us unionizing is I remember in like various versions of the union chatter we've had, a lot of what we wanted to organize around wasn't necessarily improving our lot as workers because we all were like, yeah, there's not that much more we want to ask for. I mean, we always want more money. We always want more vacation days, but also we want to like, we want to like be organized, not just for really immediate concerns in our workplace, but so that way we can respond as a collective to these broader things that are happening. And your mention of the Detroit strikes just really brought that to mind because of the ways in which the Detroit strikes were so intimately woven into the civil rights movement in a broader sense. Right. And then tying that back to another thing you said, where maybe one person got fired for something, another person commits that same offense and they don't get fired. Like, where is the accountability in that situation? And it seems like unions can really help almost litigate like biases, make sure that there's accountability for like, hey, like if you're reacting this way to this person, not to this person, like what is that saying? We have a system in place to counteract this. That's why we have this. Yeah, 100%. Something else that you mentioned too, which I think gets often ignored, is that you said that the union is good for both you folks as workers and for intelligentsia as a whole. And I think that that is absolutely true, but like nobody else would say it. You know what I mean? Like the obviously intelligentsia is not going to say it. But as you were mentioning, unionized workers are probably more likely to stay at their jobs. They're probably more likely to feel like they have a seat at the table so they're able to contribute positively to the work environment. The union is almost saying like, we love this place and we want to make it better. Like it's like kind of in a, in, in a convoluted way, like an ultimate love letter to this place that you want to make better and you want to invest your time in making it better. Yeah, 100%. You know, I really love intelligentsia. I think there are a lot of things that we do as a company that are really exciting and really exceptional. You know, and I don't want that necessarily to be lost in this conversation. Like, I keep coming back to this place whenever I'm living in the city of Chicago because it's a great workplace in a lot of ways. You know, I think the ways in which we work with coffee farmers are, like, really important. And the ways in which we, like, set that model that like pretty much all of specialty coffee at this point is following of working directly with farmers of paying more than fair trade prices of helping them improve their farms like you know i'm not necessarily trying to buy into the hype there are a lot of problems with that fundamentally the coffee industry has like a serious problem in that it is based on like the exploitation of like the global south right That is like the core dynamic that makes coffee coffee. But in a lot of ways, intelligentsia 
improved that situation over say a starbucks right and i think the union is like an avenue in which like you said we can improve this company from the ground up workers can have more of a say in their situation we can like be more invested in our work we can feel like we have support that we need in order to like be really good at our jobs right when i think about intelligentsia five or ten years ago i think of people who are there forever yeah and the fact that like you know i'm talking to you now I don't know that I know anybody who works there anymore, and I feel like I used to. That's maybe like more of a personal thing, but there is something to be said about what do we want for the future of coffee? Like, what do we want on a broad scale? And we do often talk about the future of coffee as it pertains to coffee itself. We talk about sustainability, we talk about climate change and things like that. And not to say that those things are solved by any means, they're not. There are huge problems in the way that we source coffee. And as you mentioned, it's built on the colonialization of the global South. But it seems like we have failed to recognize how important the sustainability of the people who work in coffee shops is and why we can't have baristas who stay in their jobs for 10, 15, 20 years. Why can't that be a sustainable job? Why can't, yeah, like why, like why? Right, there's there's no good reason, you know, like, good coffee is like a really well-honed skill you know like i was not nearly as good at my job when i was doing this a year ago even right i've been at this for like five six years now and i'm constantly growing and i'm constantly learning new things we should be able to look at a barista and say this is a career right this is something you can do for as long as you want to do it and not something you're going to get forced out of when you turn 35. And as it stands now, it's something that you kind of get forced out of at a certain age. Right, because you can't or at least that's it. how it feels. And, and just to kind of extrapolate outward a little bit, all jobs deserve dignity. Like, all jobs deserve yeah. the dignity of being able to go to work and say, I can live my life based on, like, the things that are happening in this situation. I can live my life based on the amount I'm getting paid here. Because every job exists. Like, there, there's no less dignified more dignified jobs i hate i hate stuff like that but it's just saying that like if we want people to work in these jobs if we want like our futures just in general to be better like we have to recognize the dignity of every single job and make space for people to say i demand more because i'm a human being and i want to be safe and secure at work Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. And, you know, I think the question is then, like, how do we get from point A to point B? And, you know, I really think unions are, like, a big, big part of the answer. And it's why I'm, like, so excited to to be in this stage in our unionization process where it really feels like it's about to happen. Can you give me a timeline about, like, what what's what's next for you folks? Yeah, so our union ballots are currently in the mail. We all start voting right about now. Our last ballots have to be turned in by August 4th. And we find out three or four days later. I want to say it's the 7th or the 8th. I can't remember which. So what happens? So you have the ballots out. They're they're out to all of the employees. Is that correct? Yeah, so it's 27 workers. Anyone whose job title is barista or shift. And then you need a plurality, right? So you need more than 
of people who vote. So if only 10 people vote and six of them vote yes, then we still have the union. And then once the union is recognized, that's a big step, obviously an important step, but that's not the end. No, then we have to negotiate a contract, right? And this is what we have seen at Collectivo is that the company like tends to drag their feet. They don't want to give us a contract uh, that is like fair and on our terms or they don't want to give us a contract in like a speedy manner because they don't want us to have a union, right? And so that is sort of going to be the next big fight is if the vote goes our way, which... Based on the conversations I've been having, I feel really, really confident about. Mm -hmm. I would be genuinely shocked at this point to find out that uh, this vote is not successful for us. Is there anything you want people to know about this stage of your union fight that maybe isn't obvious or maybe, I don't know, that people just wouldn't know? Like, what are the best ways that folks can support you right now? You know, I think one of the most effective ways that you can support is like, if you come into the coffee shops, talk to us about the union, you know, let us know when you order your coffee, like, hey, I heard about this. I'm super excited for you. That sounds awesome. And, you know, if you say that in front of management, uh, it probably wouldn't hurt. But at this stage, really, the big question is like, did intelligentsia successfully scare us out of a union vote, right? We know that the majority of intellies want a union. And the question, or at least they did before intelligentsia started their anti-union campaign. If, you know, if the vote doesn't go our way, it means that intelligentsia ran like a really successful anti-union campaign. And I think one way to counteract that is to have folks from the outside say like, yeah, I think it's dope that you have a union or that you're trying to unionize. I think this is exciting. Yeah, that I guess that's sort of the answer for me. Thank you so much for taking time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Yeah, this was really fun. Thank you for like giving us some coverage. That was Ravani Grace, one of the baristas behind the Intelligentsia Coffee Workers Union in Chicago. As I said, this issue is happening right now. So don't turn away. Keep paying attention to it. I will try to give you updates as best as I can, probably either through Instagram. I'm at Boss Barista Podcast, all one word, or on my newsletter, bossbarista.substack.com. Thank you, folks, for listening to this bonus episode, and I will see you next week. I'm just looking for a better day. Boss Barista is produced by me, Ashley Rodriguez. You can find a transcription of this episode on my newsletter, along with an accompanying article about this episode every Thursday at bossbarista.substack.com. To support the show, you can visit www.patreon.com bossbarista. We have over 80 patrons supporting the show right now, which is incredible. And that helps keep the show alive. We pay guests through this fund. We pay for website hosting. And we make donations. Half of our patron donations are currently pledged to five different nonprofits, each at $50 a month. Asada's Daughters, the Loveland Foundation, the Native American Rights Fund, the Grocery Run Club, and the Chicago Community Bond Fund. 
Again, if you want to support Boss Barista, consider making a monthly donation at www.patreon.com slash boss barista. Another amazing way to support the show is to share this episode with just one person, a friend, someone who you think would learn something from this episode, anybody. Sharing on social media is also a huge help, along with giving us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. As a small production, these things matter a lot. So if you can take a little time, share out some of your favorite quotes from this episode and tag us, that would be amazing. We're at Boss Barista Podcast on Instagram and Boss underscore Barista on Twitter. You can also send me an email at bossbaristapodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.